first, but I presume will not be his last appearance on Radio Parallax. It's someone we've been looking to bring on for some time. He's a local comic and a local activist, and uh, without too much further ado, let's just say welcome to Radio Parallax, Guy O'Beelum. <laughs> That's me. Welcome, Doug. Thank you for having me over. Your name is a bit of a mouthful. We have to address that, I think. Yes. I just stumbled on it a bit. Uh, people say often to me, they, they hear my name's Ungayo, and they're like, where are you from? And I say, the 60s. Uh, my, I was born in 1968 in San Francisco, so my name could be Earth or Starshine. Uh, and my parents were uh, former Black Panthers. It's a uh, Americanization of a Kikuyu word, ungayo, meaning uh, hungry for knowledge. Really? Yeah, no pressure. Very good. Perhaps if they had named me Hungry for Wisdom, I'd probably, I mean, I know a lot of stuff, but I don't really know if I'm using it right. <laughs> but we're working on it. Well... Uh, you've been in the B. People have seen you advertise. Perhaps many of our listeners have seen you perform. I, I do want to start out by noting that uh, yeah, you're pretty good. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you. I've been a comedian for a long time now, since the late 80s. Uh, wow. Kind of comes and up on me sometimes. You, uh, when, I, when I saw you, I don't know how much of this is in, in, in your typical act, but you had quite a bit of uh, cannabis humor, which was, was hitting the mark. I'm well known for being cannacentric in my <laughs> approach to most things. In fact, you did have an article, there was an article, a very nice article in the Sacramento Bee recently about your cannabis activism. You're, I guess, the editor of West Coast Cannabis Magazine? I'm the publisher, editor, chief cook, and bottle washer for West Coast Cannabis Magazine, a monthly circulation of 50,000 issues in five states. We've come a long way in the past three years, very, uh, very lucky and proud and blessed, and I thank all of our supporters. I presume people in Davis and Sacramento can find it uh, about? You can find it out and about. Uh, we d d distribute it free. Uh, mostly you can find it at your local medical cannabis dispensary or doctor's office uh, or cannabis-related doctor's office or uh, certain head shops. And also Avid Reader carries it as well when, wow. when I remember to drop off a stack. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about cannabis a bit. Let's. It's high time we do. The Economist magazine, no less, is writing up about you know what's going on out in here in California. There's a ballot initiative in November. It may further. Uh, well, I guess it may actually uh, within limits just make it legal. It would pretty much make it legal for adults to possess and grow marijuana in the state of California. Uh, it would leave the what would you call it the purview of sales up to individual uh, counties and/or cities. Um, so places like Oakland, who's already pretty much way ahead of the curve on everybody else in the marijuana legalization battle, would stand to profit right away. And then other cities and counties would most likely come around. Although I think if you live in the OC, uh, or the Orange County or in the Inland Empire <laughs> yeah. or parts of Sacramento County, actually, yeah. you might be kind of effed. <laughs> you can say effed on the radio. I believe right? you can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I could just say lettered. You might be lettered. lettered. And the letter would be F. <laughs> what, uh, what, what do you think the odds are? I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're talking here in August. There's, a, there's several months here, three months till the election, but it looks like it's running pretty, pretty well in the polls. Apparently, it's ahead in the polls 52 to 36, I think, and it's got a little more money uh, than people thought it had. Surprise. Uh, <laughs> which is always the way with marijuana. People generally have a little more money than they think, or, or none at all. Anyway, I'm rambling. 
We haven't seen really too many negative ads come out against it yet. Diane Feinstein, of course, is against it because she's kind of a square. Uh, but the Democratic Party of California actually has taken no stance. They're maintaining a neutral stance because they don't know which way the wind blows on this. Well, which I guess and, is being better than against it. But I was sort of surprised they weren't a little more like uh, it's time just to, to go in that direction. Well, you know, that's the thing about marijuana is it cuts through all, what do you call it, a social political boundaries or whatnot. So for... You know, every d- Democrat that's for it, there's a Democrat that's against it. For every Republican that's for it, there's a Republican that's against it. So you can't really, it's not really a mark of your uh, political leanings. And it's weed, so people all freak out about it. And uh, one of the reasons I think we should really, really pass Proposition 19 is to give political cover to those politicians who may be more inclined to, to see a more liberal uh, or, or lessening of the, the criminal penalties for marijuana usage. One thing that kind of surprises me, puzzles me a little bit, is there seems to be a divided opinion in the cannabis dispensaries. I've seen some ads. Man, that's an understatement. That's a can of worms. No one's fighting in the streets yet, but cats are freaked out. And a lot of it has to do with fear of the unknown. They don't really know what's going to happen if this does pass. The way that everything's working right now with the medical cannabis is it's pretty smoothed out. Everybody's got it smoothed out. You know, you give your doctor a hundred bucks and you pretty much have a license to grow and transport and sell marijuana collectively it's a closed loop but it all works out everybody's doing pretty well if the law changes then that whole thing is changed although proposition 19 doesn't affect medical cannabis laws directly it will have a corollary a coronary effect it will affect the heart of the medical cannabis industry well, I, I guess I guess it's kind of analogous to like counties like in Tennessee, back east. There's still dry counties dating back to Prohibition. Texas era, is full of dry counties as well, which is really weird because it winds up being a coalition of the people who are against it on principle, the Baptist ministers and the like, and the moonshiners who want yeah. to keep things the way they are. Yeah, that's pretty much what's happening. One of the guys who helped draft this bill is originally from Texas, so that whole wet dry county analogy makes a lot of sense. But it, the way they did that was to try to keep it to make it so that it would pass. So people would feel like it's not being forced upon their jurisdiction, that they, they have the option. I mean, I'm sure there's some people in Riverside who don't want to see marijuana legal, but there's tons of cats in Oakland and San Francisco and Sacramento who are ready for that to happen. And and one of the problems I think that people have with it is they feel that it doesn't, like the hardcore marijuana activists feel that it doesn't really go hard, uh, far enough. It's right. not like right. marijuana is now legal and you can have as much as you want. You can grow as much as you want. You can do whatever with it. It's got parameters, right? You can only grow in a five by five space. You can only have an ounce on you at any given time. Now, for most cats in the street who buy a 20 sack or an eighth of marijuana, an eighth of an ounce, a one ounce limit is no problem at all. But for cats who go big, one ounce, that's probably in the car right now that they've forgotten about it somewhere. So plus the marijuana they have on them, they're already in trouble. You know, it occurs to me that the whole situation has changed. And I talked to a lot of friends of mine, and most, most everyone I know has sub, some familiarity with uh, cannabis. Most you know? everyone you know. I think most everyone everyone knows has some familiarity, a well, passing familiarity. Well, I, I've had the privilege of visiting some dispensaries in the past few months, and i got to say, it was a real jaw-dropping experience. It's like for being me. in Amsterdam at first. It was just, I had no idea there were this many varieties. There was this many uh, types out there to be sold. There were all these different types of uh, growing techniques. People yes. were selling you the whole the whole package. Yes, yes, and yes. And it's, it's somewhat overwhelming. Uh, it, uh, at first, it can be overwhelming. If you're not used to anything like that, especially if you haven't seen anything like that, if you follow the old 
model of cannabis distribution. You go see one guy, he's probably got one flavor. If he's got two flavors, it's a bonus day. Yeah. Relying upon my high school experiences. <laughs> nothing right. nothing not like Jimmy in the van. Yeah. There's nothing <sighs> like walking into, you know, a thing with twenty different, you know, jars of right. it, which with a different label and you know summer and different flavors and, and yeah. different effects. But it's it I really I find the cl- closest parallel to the cannabis industry would be the wine industry, right? Mm-hmm. You don't sure. just buy sure. a Merlot. You can get a Sauve Blanc or a Cabernet Sauvignon sure. or a Merlot. And it, you know, and different kinds of Merlot. This one was grown in this kind of dirt. This one was grown over here. This one's from France. And marijuana is very similar in that. It's always the, the terroir, the earth, the different strain, how it was grown. Was it grown indoors? Was it grown outdoors? It's beautiful. Just the different varieties. I love <laughs> marijuana. I get excited when I talk about it. I'm trying not to salivate into your microphone. I had an interesting talk with a, a, a person I know that's uh, quite experienced, I guess is the word I'm looking for, in the area of pharmacology, all aspects of pharmacology. And he was, we were discussing the fact that there's going to be a problem with cannabis and retaining some kind of consistency, it seems. I mean, they, they're using cloned, uh, cloned strains, I guess, these days. But even more so than wine, I mean, there's, you know, an, uh, an 87 is a good year, an 88 is a bad year. If it's, you know, grown here, it's one thing. It's grown there, it's another thing. Kind of a problem to find consistency, I think, in a product. Well, um, it depends on on. Uh, I mean, that's always that. That's definitely the challenge in the early days was to find uh, consistent growers. But right now, I mean, most everybody has a guy or, or knows somebody or knows a collective that that maintains very consistent quality of product. I mean, if you go to Harborside in Oakland, they run most everything through a gas chromatograph. Yeah. So they, they can break it down for you and tell you the THC content and the CBD content and does it have any pesticides or did it have any yeah. molds or anything like that. And I think really as we grow toward more openness and maybe a little more regulation, we were just talking about this the other night. Um, I would like to see it almost like a food label, right? So when you go to look at the marijuana, it'll say, this is White Widow, uh, I grew it from seed, I used Fox Farms dirt, uh, nine weeks, we had some white fly, so I hit it with some neem oil and a little Ed Rosenthal Zero Tolerance, and here it is for you. And then you can look at it and you're like, I don't mind any of those products, I love Fox Farms dirt, and, and jump right in. Or somebody else will have, you know, I grew this in Miracle Grow indoors, blah, 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 blah. And then you'll be able to decide and, and take your pick. I think this is important because, you know, Michael Pollan, in his wonderful book. Botany of Desire? Was that him? Exactly. It's a chapter on cannabis, book. a fine chapter, I'm sure you'd Great agree. Great book. Uh, yes, it, yes, I would. He explained to people that there have been major advances in, in horticulture over the past couple decades, and the product they're growing these days is much, much more potent than what I think a lot of people are familiar with. I don't think it's really more potent so much as it's just better tasting. Uh, and there's more different varieties. Most everything back... Well, in the 70s, most everything was the, the Mexican sativas. They would come up, and those, they, they give you kind of the speedy buzz. And then in the later 70s, early 80s, when the cats started coming back from the north with the indicas, which grow way faster, uh, but they give you that heavier kind of couch lock, those kind of flooded the market for a while. And, and now, with the advent of medical cannabis and, and more acceptance, you can get a different variety but I don't think it's much more potent. And then the- you say that, but geez, people I've talked to who have maybe gone back and sampled after you know many many years of never sure. trying it, I hear the same thing. They're just like, whoa! It's just like it's very easy to take more than you intended. I mean, you're really very really easy. zoned. That's probably true. <laughs> I, I can't argue with that. But I don't really think that's a bad thing. Uh, the <laughs> argument that people make is with when people come at you with the well, the weed these days is ten times more powerful than the weed we had in 1975. I'm like, well, smoke less weed. 
Well, yeah. It, ultimately, it's probably better for your lungs yeah. if you're not smoking three fat joints right when you get up. Maybe smoke a joint and a half. Maybe just have a bong hit. Do you, you know, there's nothing that says that you have to smoke all of the marijuana in your possession at once. Well, and I think that's that's what sort of strikes people is that it you know it, it it seems to cost a lot more even you know per even with even with inflation than it used to. But one just one needs less. I, I don't know if it costs a lot more. I seem to recall uh, 1989. It was about fifty dollars an eighth, and now it's about fifty to sixty five dollars an eighth. I mean, L.A. is ridiculous. L.A. Everything's more expensive in L.A., but that's because of their mindset more than because of their marijuana. But up here in Northern California, people generally will not pay more than $60 for an eighth of marijuana on principle alone. Well, I guess we're close to the growing centers in Humboldt County and all that, too. So, And, yeah, yeah. you also don't have to carry it as far. From a medical standpoint, I, I really was quite fascinated by hearing them talk about, as you just mentioned, sativa and, and indica, and that uh, the people who, who medical needs are for pain control, maybe more severe pain control, they, they opt more for the indica because it mm-hmm. really is very potent. It's, it's mm-hmm. really a great adjunct to, to pain medications, whereas the sativa is something that people, you know, watch funny movies and eat Pop-Tarts. Well, some people also use it for motivation. Um, to smooth out their anxiety. Well, not so much the sativa for anxiety, but for motivation, because it can definitely, it pumps up your heart rate a little bit, gets you a little fired up if you want to clean the house. It helps you micro-focus. Wait a minute. Cannabis, motivation. Two words seldom heard juxtaposed. Yeah, see, that whole thing about cats sitting on the couch all the time doing nothing is bull pucky. Most of the people that I know who are, are regular cannabis users are extremely motivated, very bright, creative individuals, definitely contribute to the betterment of their society. Like my friend Mickey Norris likes to say, she says, quit blaming pot. Uh, the reason you're not getting off the couch isn't because you're stoned, it's because you're a lazy bastard. <laughs> so get up off your butt and do something. This might be a good time to interject that the opinions heard on this program huh. do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, our sponsors, or the regents of the University of California. Sure, they definitely represent Ungayo Belum, the chocolate mountain of joy. <laughs> and West Coast Cannabis Magazine. Dot com. Well, as I said at the top, I th- this won't be your uh, your last visit, I presume, to this program. Uh, talk- no, I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> oh, no, it's once a week. Yeah, yeah. okay. You, uh, you, you're coming to the Punchline soon? I will be at the Punchline in Sacramento at the How About Arden Mall, uh, Sunday the 15th of August, 8 o'clock show. I'll be there with uh, everyone's favorite atheist, Keith Lowell Jensen. Good. And Larry Bubbles Brown, who's a comedy legend from the Bay Area, will be the feature act. And I'll be headlining. It's going to be a good time. Excellent. And as a special... Mitzvah to your listeners. If you use the phrase purple velvet, you get two for one tickets at the door. Well, there you go. I'm sure some of our listeners will be happy to take advantage of that little gem. And as well they should. And you you also have, I know it's still a work in progress, but in in conjunction for the proposition, you're going to do some, there's some benefits in the works, I guess, in October. Series of benefits. October 12th and 13th, once again at the Punchline, we're doing the Cannabis Comedy Festival, which will be a benefit for Proposition 19. And then October 19th in San Francisco, we're also doing the Cannabis Comedy Festival at the Punchline. Well, as the time draws near, we, you must come back and we'll, uh, we will, we will talk about I'll see you every week, that. Doug. How about that? We'll just come over every Thursday. We'll chop it up. <laughs> we may or may not smoke a bowl. Actually, I'm a little cautious about that. I, I hear that, uh, that that it leads to heroin use. So I've been a little, I've been <laughs> okay, a little wary. Okay, we could talk about that right <laughs> quick. 
First of all, studies have shown <laughs> that marijuana is not a gateway to harder drug use. I tell people all the time, I, marijuana yeah. is not a gateway you drug. Know, the, the drug to, dealers yeah. are a gateway drug. The gateway to drug use is cigarettes. The, the gateway drug in America, the first drug everybody gets their hands on are cigarettes. Sure, sure. And also, uh, there's been some some literature and some stories right now about people using marijuana to get themselves off the crazy amount of OxyContin and hydrocodone that they used to take for their bad back or their migraine headaches or whatever. And people are, are switching to marijuana as an, uh, a healthier alternative. Well, it, it certainly, it, I certainly wouldn't promote it as a panacea, but without a doubt, without a doubt, cannabis has a role to play medically. And here, we've, here. Been, we've been suffering from the fact that for you know, a generation, the federal government has stymied efforts to find uses for it. And thank God we are seeing that go behind us. Uh, we're seeing that being put behind us because it's going to have uses in diet control. It's going to already has uses in pain control. There's going to be many uses for cannabinoids. And I'm glad to see that we're finally, you know, gaining some sanity there. Amen. Let's put an end to all this uh, superstition and ignorance and let's proceed in a beautiful, beautiful manner. <laughs> Guy O'Bealum, thanks for speaking with us. Thank uh, you, come Doug. back. All right. I'll and see good, you later. Good luck at the punchline. Take care.